just like all of a sudden summer ended and fall began, just like that. You know, I know it's not official until later in the month, but uh, Labor Day weekend, it seems like that's just the, the dropping point. You know, it all went away. That's a, it's a, um, I think that that's, for most people, that's kind of a sad transition, isn't it? You kind of, you don't want summer. No, some of you are saying no. See, I know like for parents of kids, maybe you're going, yes, I'm so glad when it's over because school starts. Kids, on the other hand, not so much. They're not so happy. Sun worshipers, oh, it's a bad day in Oregon, you know, if you're a, for me, I'll be honest, it's, it is, it's kind of a bittersweet thing. On, on one level, I really do love the sun. I love the sunshine. I love being outdoors as much as possible, all of that. But pastorally speaking, you know, from the perspective of church, summer's always hard. Summer's hard because, uh, you know, it's, it's weird. I, I grew up in Southern California, and the the transition is not nearly so pronounced there because the weather is pretty much the same all year round. So it just sort of happens. It just goes on. It's the same. Here, you know, as soon as summer hits, the sun comes out, everybody just disappears and they go away. And, and in church, it's really hard because you, you just get disconnected. You get disconnected and you kind of get fragmented. And sometimes, you know, maybe somebody's gone for a week or two and then they come back and somebody else is gone for another week or two. And it just seems like over the course of summer, uh, we get out of touch and we get fragmented and kind of um, really in some ways just disconnected, I guess is the best word. It's really hard. I know that when you're in small group with, with folks, you see them every week, generally speaking. And some of us that have, uh, you know, if you have friends, friendships within, within the body, you see those people maybe more than once a week. And, and typically we, we try to connect with, with people on Sundays. But, but uh, during summer, it's hard. You, you, just, you maybe go three, four weeks, five weeks, you don't see somebody, you wonder how are they, are they okay? And all of a sudden you realize, oh gosh, it's been a month since I've seen them. Disconnected. It's 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 really hard. So, uh, what I what I want to do and is just for for the next few weeks through the rest of the summer, uh, probably the end of September, I want to talk a little bit about church and what it means to be involved in church, uh, and, and with the with the intent of hopefully refocusing on some of that connection again. I know for us here, um, small groups typically kick off in the fall, uh, and our small group calendar kind of runs you know, from October to, to June or July, and then they sort of wind down in the summer and kind of come back up. So over the next four or five weeks or so, we will be uh, announcing several different small groups to you and opportunities to, to uh, connect in different ways. And even, you know, what Wally shared tonight, I, I think is, is so real in that sometimes the best way to connect really is serving together. And, and many of you understand and have, have experienced that when you serve together with somebody, there really is a unique sort of bond that happens that just can't happen any other way. Uh, you know, especially if you, you do a missions trip or something like that together. But I know for some of us, and I was talking to some guys the other day, and we need to plan a guy's uh, Habitat for Humanity Day this fall sometime, because in the past, even when we just do those one-day work projects, you know, there's something about going out and pounding nails and, and moving stuff and lifting things together. That, that really does cause there to be a connection in a unique way. So I want to uh, 
focus our attention for a few weeks on, on church and what it means to be a part of the church. Now, we, you know, I was thinking about it. We realize, I think we all realize, I'm sure we do, that the church is not the building. Church is the people, right? We all do this thing. It's so ingrained in us culturally. We say, you know, we're going to go to church. And when we, we say that, we mean we're going to go to the gathering of God's people in the church. We know that. But we sort of equate the two things almost on the same level, like that's the church, like this building. Well, this is, this is a building, and it, and it is today and has always been used as a church, but it could not be used as a church anymore. It, it, it's, it's a piece of real estate. It's a piece of property, just like any other piece of property, and it could be sold, and the person that buys it might use it for something else. I know where, where we live in Wilsonville, there is a historical church that's been on this corner for, uh, I don't know, probably over 100 years or so, and it had shut down and been vacant for a long time, and last year McMenamins bought it and turned it into a pub. So now what was a church is a pub. And some people go, oh, that's terrible, that's, that's blasphemous. I, I don't know, it's just a building, it's a pub, it's a nice pub. Um, but the, the truth is it's just a building, and really it's, it's not, it, at least to me, it's not that big of a deal. But what is a big deal is the church, the people. The people of God are the church, and that doesn't change. That can't change. That can't be bought or sold. That, that doesn't ever stop happening. We always will be the people of God. And um, tonight I want to look at one uh, analogy, one metaphor of the church that's used often in the New Testament. Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, refers to the church as the body. And I want to talk about the body of Christ tonight. And this is a, you know, an illustration. Paul uses it in Corinthians and in other places. You know, and as I have been reading those passages this week, again, you know, reading them afresh, so to speak, it just struck me how profound the illustration really is. How deeply profound it is when he talks about the people of God as the body of Christ. And, and I, it, it struck me in a way maybe that it never had before, and, and I'm hoping on some level to be able to communicate that to you tonight, that how deeply profound it is for us to really be the body of Christ. And so I want to open with prayer, and then we'll, we'll talk about body parts. That's my title for tonight. Body parts is it's kind of a, a gruesome t title, you know. I thought it sounds like the Texas Chainsaw Massacres or something, like body parts, you know. But so I used a little cartoon figure as my image to kind of detour from the gruesomeness of it all. Um, I, I know, my mind works in strange ways sometimes. But anyway, so, so that's, our, that's our title tonight, Body Parts. Let's pray, and we'll look at 1 Corinthians. Lord, uh, thank you so much again for the body of Christ, for the chance that we have in you to come together, uh, and for the connection that we share uh, in you. I pray, Lord, that you would stir that afresh in our hearts tonight, that you would renew our desire uh, and our understanding to be your body, and what it means to be your body, and, and how uh, we fit together, that you would renew those things and stir those things in us, and that you would cause us to once again have uh, uh, not only a, a profound understanding, but a, but a, a deep reality of body life uh, in you. In your name we pray, amen. So I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tonight, and I'm not going to read the whole chapter. It's, it's fairly lengthy. I'm going to, I've just picked some sections out that relate specifically to being the body. 
So the, the, uh, the verses will be on there, but I'm just going to go ahead and, and read through them. I'll comment on them a little bit as we go and then come back. But I'm going to begin in verses 3 and 4, where he says, Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. And I think the thing here that I want us to, to see is that we understand in a physical body that there's connection, that those parts are connected, and that in the body of Christ we also are connected, but that connection is made by the Spirit. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So it, it really is the, the Spirit of God that draws us and connects us together. He continues a little further on. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though, though one has many parts, but all its parts... All its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. And then he continues a little further on. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And finally, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you all are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. The all in parentheses there is, I added that, and I added that specifically because the, um, the word you in English, of course, is the same. It, it can mean different things. I, can, I could say you are the body of Christ, or I could say, you are the body of Christ. And they, they're confusing. In Greek, it's actually two different words, but we only have one word translated. So the word here is plural. I just want you to know that. that it, I'm not just changing the text because I feel like it. No, I would never. But I want you to understand that that, that actually is plural. And when Paul says, you, all, you are the body, he really does mean you all are the body, and each one of you is a part of it. Now, uh, we've talked before about this. I, I've talked about being a person and what makes us a person and how we have a body, we have a mind, we, we have a, a, a spirit, a soul, and, and that all of those things integrated together make us who we are, right? Uh, they're, they're, they're not separate or distinct. They really together form our person and our personality and who we are. Now, we all know this. At some point along the way, uh, our, our physical body is going to stop working, right? It's going to break down on us. Some of us are already experiencing that process. Uh, but eventually, we, we die. Our body gives out. It quits working. We, we, have, we talk about eternal life in Christ. And when we talk about eternal life in Christ, we understand that our spirit lives on eternally our body does not. Now, you know, we, we will one day get a, a new body, a glorified body from, from Jesus, and, and I'm looking forward to that. I think that's going to be awesome. But this body isn't that body. And this body eventually is going to come to an end. It's not going to exist anymore, even though we live eternally, right? We all get that. But here's my point. While we're alive, currently speaking, you know, today, in, in this time frame, our body is actually kind of important. 
We need our bodies, right? Everything we do, I'm talking to you right now, I'm using my body to speak to you. We need, we need our bodies. Kevin ran in a, in a 10K this morning, and if you're a runner or an athlete, you use your body. You need your body to do that. We go to work, some of us, and, and when you work, you use your body. Maybe you work uh, construction or, or some type of labor job where you, you use physical strength and you're, you requ- your body is required to do that. Maybe you work in an office and you, you type on a computer in the day or talk on the telephone, but, but you still you, you need your body. Our body is the medium through which we interact with the world around us. It's very, very important. We, we have to have it. We need it. Now, I want, I want to make a connection here, so hang with me. Jesus is God. And we say, in, 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 to describe that, we use the word incarnate. Jesus is God incarnate. He is God that's become a person. And, and really, our, our whole faith hinges on that fact. That, that's, that's, that's the what for right there, that God became a person. If that's not real, if that's not true, if that didn't happen, then we might as well just leave now and go to happy hour because that's as good as it's going to get. It depends, all, everything we believe in depends on the fact that God became a human being and that in Jesus Christ, God had a body. And that body is also how he interacted with the world around him. Just in the way that our bodies are the way that we interact with the world around us, the body of Jesus was the way that he interacted. He lived life, and he loved people, and he used his body to interact. We talked last week about the Last Supper and Jesus you know, rolling up his sleeves and getting down and washing his disciples' feet. He prayed for people to be healed, and sometimes when he prayed for them, he would reach out and touch them and pray for them. Other times he wouldn't even touch them, but just speak words with his mouth, and they would, they would be healed and touched. At one point, little kids were coming around, and the disciples didn't like that, and they were trying to shoo the kids away, and Jesus said, no, let them come to me, and he picked those kids up, and he drew them close to himself, and he, and he hugged them, and he, and he held them, and, and and Jesus interacted with people. He met with the Samaritan woman and, and, and had a conversation with her and talked to her. And he called Zacchaeus out of a tree and he forgave Peter uh, on, the, on the, the beach there. And all those different interactions and all the other interactions in the Gospels are times in which Jesus used his body to interact with the world around him. And now, you know, we know the story. We've read the Gospels and we realize that Jesus' life came to an end as well. He died. He technically was killed. He was killed and, and buried. He, he rose again. He came back to life. But then that body, uh, we know, ascended to heaven to be with the Father. So in the same way that we talk about eternal life for us and our spirit living on, Jesus lives on in spirit. But, but here's what happened. Here's how the story continues. After ascending to heaven, Jesus got a second body. He got, a, he got a new body. And, and that body is us. We're it. We, we are now the body of Christ. Now, 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 you all are the body of Christ. We are the second body, the body of Jesus Christ today. All of the things that he did, 
his ministry, the way that he interacted with the world, those things didn't stop. They didn't end. They continued on. But today, they continue on through this body in the same way that they once were done through his physical body. We have the same opportunity to speak words of life and encouragement and healing. We have the same opportunity to lay our hands on people and see them healed. We have the same opportunity to take people in our arms and hold them and love them that Jesus had. And we do that. We pray. We, we speak prayers. How? In the name of Jesus. We speak in the name of Jesus as, as he's speaking. We, we, we are his body today. Now, there's some qualifiers. And, and here's the thing. This thing is driving me crazy. I got a new thing, and it's just, I don't like it. <laughs> Make me go over there. Um, the qualifiers, qualifiers are this. W one is that we only, we only are his body insofar as we continue to do those things. If we don't do those things, we, we really aren't then the body of Christ because we're the body of Christ. We're not the body of Fred or the body of Joe, or Mary. We're the body of Christ. And so we do the things that Jesus did. As long as we're continuing to speak those words, to pray those prayers, to, to extend ourselves in the name of Christ, then we continue to be his body. And the other thing is this. We're only his body insofar as we stay connected to one another. And that's really, really important. And it's much more important, I think, than sometimes we give it credit for being. We're only the body of Christ insofar as we stay connected to one another. Again, I use some silly illustrations. But like those body parts up there, we, we realize on a physical level, a part is not a body. And not only is a part not a body, but no matter how vital, how important, how crucial any given part is, by itself, it doesn't stand. It doesn't live. It can't continue. You could take the brain of Albert Einstein, fairly well-developed brain, smart guy. You remove it from Albert Einstein, it's not that smart anymore. A, a, a part, any part, whether, you know, it can, it can be a pinky toe or a heart. It doesn't matter how important the part is. If it's removed, if it's disconnected from the body, it has no purpose. It has no meaning. It's, so, again, I, I, I'm trying to kind of make, a, you know, a little bit of a joke out of something that really is very serious because we realize that on a physical level. You, we understand that with our physical body, if you cut a part off, that part is... It, doesn't, it has no life. It has no reality. But we need to understand Paul's metaphor, his illustration is, on a spiritual level, that same thing is true. It's, it's our usness that makes us the body of Christ. So without usness, we're useless. Without usness, we're useless. Together, we're the body of Christ and we continue the ministry and the work that Jesus did in and through his body in, in his lifetime, but separate from one another, just like a, a body part disconnected, we, we have no purpose, we have no life, we have nothing to give or offer. Now, I'm going to make two uh, 
relatively quick points on this, and, and then I want to take some time and, and pray together. But the, the first point is this. To belong to Christ is to belong to his body. I grew up, um, I've been in the Vineyard Church for a long time. And I grew up in a vineyard church with uh, John Wimber, who's kind of the founder of the vineyard movement, as my pastor. And John used to say, when you accept Christ, you accept his church and his cause as well. It's Christ, his church, and his cause. And you can't have just one. It's, it's, it's non-negotiable. It's, it's a package deal. You get all three. And I probably heard John say that. I, I'm serious. I don't know. 200, 300 times, maybe 500 times. I don't know how many. I heard him say it over and over and over again. It's, so it was very, very important to him and consequently has been somewhat ingrained in my mind as well. Um, and, and I have really understood this. I have really, over the course of my life, come to understand this, that the idea of solo Christianity is not a biblical concept. It's not a biblical concept. It doesn't exist. Now look, I get it, okay? I, I understand sometimes we get hurt in the church. I understand that sometimes brothers and sisters in Christ say and or do things that are painful to us. I, I get that. I, I, I know that. I acknowledge that. I'll tell you a secret. I've been hurt in the church. But I also realize that that notwithstanding, I can't exist on my own away from the church any more than my pinky toe could exist if it got cut off and thrown out in the street. I can't live. I can't exist. Regardless of how challenging and difficult it may or may not be at times, there's, there's, it just it doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't fit. Now, I want to take this a little bit further, and I'm going to say something that might offend some of you a little bit, but I, I think it's worth saying. I think it's worth mentioning here just because I, I know how it works. I know that we, get, we, we hear things and we believe things over the course of time that we've been taught that sometimes aren't accurate, and we don't realize that. We're, we're with good intention and a good heart believing things that, that aren't all that accurate. So here's the, this is what I want to say is, the notion, the very notion that I accepted Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior is also not a biblical concept. It's, it's, it's just not there. It's just not there. You, you can't find it. There's no passage, there's no verse, there's no chapter, there's nothing that says that I can accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, that it's just sort of this relationship between me and Him. It just doesn't exist. Maybe you've heard this before. There's, it's, a, it's a little evangelistic tool. It's a little gimmick that people sometimes use. If you were the only person that ever lived, Jesus would have died just for you. Anybody ever heard that before? It's a neat little gimmick, I suppose. And, you know, on one level, I, I, hypothetically speaking, I suppose it's probably true. The, the only problem, really, is that you're not the only person that ever lived. 
not only are you not the only person that ever lived, but you could not be the only person that ever lived because if you were the only person that ever lived, you couldn't be born. It's absurd. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's, it's, it's an absurd hypothetical situation. I want to show you a, a verse that you may have never seen or read or heard before. It's a rather obscure text that sometimes is overlooked in devotional reading. It comes from a part of the Bible that a lot of people are unfamiliar with called the Gospel of John. It's in chapter 3, verse 16. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It doesn't say, For God so loved one person. No, God loved the whole world. I, I'm pretty sure, I, you know, I'm not that smart, but I think that means everyone. And so this idea that I just have this little relationship with Jesus, it's just me and him, it's just not a biblical concept. It's not, it doesn't exist. It's not out there. The New Testament always, always speaks and thinks in we categories, never in me categories. It always speaks in we categories. The whole book is about how we relate. It's how we relate to God, how we relate to one another, how we relate to the world around us. It's all about, it's all about being connected. None of it is about my little life with Christ. It's, it's my life in Christ with you. That, to, to be honest, that's what it means to be in Christ. I, I am in the group of people that is following Jesus. I used to not be. I was over here. I was outside of that group, and then I came in. And now I'm part of that group. I'm in Christ. I'm in with those who have said, yes, we want to follow Christ. We're together in that process. To be saved is not something that happens just to benefit you. Now, look, it does benefit you, okay? It's a good deal, all right? I'm just, I'm just saying it's a good deal. If you have the option, I would say sign up, okay? I mean, it's, it's better. It's better, okay? It does benefit, it does benefit you, but... That's really not the whole picture. It's not just to benefit you. It really comes with a, a calling to a vocation. And that's what the word vocation really means. I, I think I've shared that with you before, but vocation comes from the Latin word vocare, which is the same word that we get vocal from, vocal, to call. A vocation is a calling. You're called into a vocation. To be saved comes with a job description. It really does. It comes with a job description. We all, you all, each one of us has a role to play in the body of Christ. In the New Testament, the whole, <coughs> excuse me, the whole idea of solo Christianity is an oxymoron. It just, it, it doesn't exist. It's, it's really not an option. It, it's not there at all. It, it fundamentally contradicts the whole entire teaching of the New Testament. It's, it's that far off the map. Um, it's, it's, this, it's this crazy. It's like I said, it's as crazy as that to think, well, that ear is a body. It's just as absurd, just as crazy to think that I can be in Christ, I can be a follower, a disciple of Jesus by myself alone. It's that far out there. 
I, I want to I state this a little, uh, I think I made the point, but I'm actually going to state it a little bit stronger. And I'm going to say this, that the first few verses we look at, verses 3 and 4 and then 11 through 13, talk about that connection being in the Spirit. And, and I'm going to say this, if we confess Jesus as Lord, if we're, we say, we claim to be a follower of him, but we think that we can live our life solo, we're really resisting the Spirit. You're really actually resisting the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. To, to be in Christ, to, to be saved, to, to be uh, with Jesus, really means to be connected. We're really connected. You cannot divorce salvation from vocation. It's all part of the package. John was right. You, you accept Christ, you get his church and his cause along with it. And it's a package deal. And, and you, you can't pick and choose. You really get them all. And that brings me to the second point, which is that we all have a role to play. Um, I want to go back and look at this verse. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines the them is the gifts of the Spirit there. Uh, the, the he is God, of course. God distributes those as he determines to each one. Let me ask you a, a question. When it says each one, uh, who is included in that? Would a, um, would a brand new Christian, somebody who's just committed their life to Christ, would they be included in that group? Yeah, I think they would. Um, what about a young person? What about a child? Or a, you know, we have a lot of kids around here. We have teenagers. Would would those would kids and teenagers be included in that group? Yeah, I think they would. What about somebody who's really really old, like say sixty? <laughs> Wally says yes. Um, yeah, I, I think you get old, you get tired. You know, you have to learn to work smarter, not harder. So maybe you fit in a different way. But you still have a role. You still have a role to play. You don't retire from being a Christian. All right? So young people, old people, new Christians, single people, married people. I, I, I got one for you. Let me ask you this. What, what about, and I, and I bring this up because, <clears throat> frankly, I hear it from time to time. What about busy people? What about somebody who's really, really busy and they have a lot of things to do? Are they excluded? No, I think busy people still have a role to play in the body of Christ. If you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to say, I'm a follower of Jesus, you're connected to this group, and you, you really have to participate. Here's the point. The point is that if you're not using your gifts, we all suffer. I know that none of you would intentionally want to cause hurt to the rest. But the truth is, if you're not using your gift, we all suffer. I want you to go back to the, and again, here's how profound I think Paul's illustration is. Go back to, the, to, to the, your physical body for a minute. I want you to think about your physical body. If you've ever had a really, really bad toothache, I mean a really bad toothache, what part of your body does it affect? Well, it affects everything, right? It affects it. Some of you I know suffer from migraine headaches. If, you've had, if you have a 
a really bad migraine headache, what part of your body does it affect? It affects everything. Guys, you, guys we do dumb things. Sometimes we lift stuff up that we shouldn't lift up. We lift, pick things up. We don't, we're not careful. We throw our back out. If you throw your back out, what does it affect? It affects everything. You can't function. You can't. That's all you think about. All of your attention goes to the part that's hurt. And I want you to understand, in the spiritual body that we are all a part of, the same thing holds true when one part is out of whack, when one part isn't doing their part, it really does affect everything and everyone. We all, the body of Christ, suffers when anyone chooses to not contribute and not use their gift and not do their part. I'm going to just make a little pastoral appeal. And, and it's, 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 it's really just simply this, that we need you. We need you. It, it, you, you have a gift, and we need it. If you, maybe you have the gift of hospitality. I know you love to open your home and just have people. We, we need you. We need that. Maybe you have the gift of prophecy, and, and you speak those words of encouragement into the hearts and lives of people that just change, break stuff off of their lives. We need that. Maybe you have the gift of teaching, or the gift of administration, or the gift of helps. Or I, I don't know. There's a lot of different gifts. We, 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 we really, we need you. We suffer when you don't contribute that part. And, and I'm gonna, I'll say this too. I think the church needs you, and you need the church. And, and here's the thing. I'm going to, I can't, I thought about this. I can't, I don't really have chapter and verse to back this up. I can't scripturally confirm this point. But, but anecdotally, and through my own, based on my own experience and my own observation in 40 years of Christianity, I, I, can, I think I can say this very, fairly accurately, and, and that is that the Holy Spirit sort of works on a use-it-or-lose-it basis. Now, I know that gifts are irrevocable. I'm not saying he takes them back. I'm just saying they kind of go away. I mean, you know, some of you, like if you're a musician, you know that if you don't play guitar for five years, and then you pick your guitar up one day, you're not going to play exactly the way that you played when you played every day. That's true of everything in life, anything we do. If we don't practice it, we don't use it, we don't participate in it, we don't do it, it just, it just sort of diminishes, it atrophies, it dries up, it, it sort of becomes very awkward and uncomfortable and dif difficult. It's not the same that it once was. And, and it's really that way in the body of Christ. If, if you, you need the church too because the only way you'll grow and flourish and be fruitful in life and in those things of the Spirit is really to utilize them. If you, you can say, I have the gift of prophecy, but I'll tell you, if you don't prophesy, so what? It just doesn't do any good. It doesn't mean anything couple, uh, l last thing, just real quick, and we'll, we'll close. And this is, you know, if you're thinking right now, you know, I, 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 don't, I, I don't have anything to offer. I want you to know that is also not a biblical concept. You are part of the body of Christ. God distributes them to each one as he determines, and you do have something to that is an absolutely 
unbiblical notion. It's unbiblical thought. In fact, I'm going to go so far as to say it's of the devil. It's, it's, a, it's a lie from the pit of hell. It really is. It really is. Because the devil would want you to believe that you don't fit in, that you don't have a part, that you have nothing to contribute. But you know what? Every one of you has something to contribute. Every one of you. You, my friends, have gifts. Now, maybe you don't know what they are. That's a different thing altogether. That's actually kind of fun. You do have them. So if you think I don't have them, that's wrong. If you think I don't know what they are, that's actually kind of fun. Because the process of discovery can really be a lot of fun. And, and so if you, maybe you don't know what your gifts are, what your role is, what part you play, I have a surefire way to find out. Guaranteed, money back guarantee. Here's what you do. Just do something. Do anything. Because here's what will happen. It's just, it's just like life. You'll do something for a while, and, and maybe it really clicks. Or maybe it doesn't. And maybe it doesn't click. And maybe you find, gosh, I, I, I've been teaching Sunday school with these second graders here for three months, and ah, it's terrible. Well, maybe that's not your gift. So you say, I'll do, go do something else then, but you'll find out. Sometimes, you, you know, it's not, that's not your gift, and you find that out. And we need to, that's, I want you to know, that's a really, really helpful thing to know if something is not your gift. I, I, went, I went one time, quick story, I, I took a group of young people to Brazil on a missions trip, and, and this one girl, I interviewed her for the trip, and she said, I want to be a missionary. That's what God's called me to. That's what my life is all about. I'm a, I know I'm going to be a missionary. So literally from the moment, I don't think we left. We weren't on the airplane yet. She had a hard time. Everything was a struggle. Everything was a challenge, and, and it just didn't work, and she couldn't find things, and it was just, and then she would just, she was tired all the time, and she was sick, and she didn't feel good, and she couldn't get along with anybody, and it was, it was just borderline disastrous, and we're about a week into this trip. We're having a little team meeting one night, and I said, hey, what have you guys learned so far? What, you know, and this girl just starts crying, and I said, what, you know, Michelle, what's going on? What, what, what have you learned? And she goes, I learned that I'm not called to be a missionary. Man, that is so valuable. I'm so glad you didn't just go off to Africa for the rest of your life. So maybe you go work in something and it doesn't pan out. So then, you know what? That's okay. Do something else. Do something else. And sooner or later, you'll find something that clicks. And something that just works for you. And you just, you just you go, this is it. This is what I'm for. This is what I love. This is what I want to do. And if you don't know where to start, Look, I'll give you some hints. Come and see me. Talk to Donna. Talk to Lori or Rob or Camille or Darlene or Paul. There's a lot of people that will help you find a place, okay? There's a lot of people here who will help you find a place to, to try things out and see what your gift is. But just know this. This is my point. You, you really do matter. You're part of the body of Christ. You can't separate yourself out from that. You're, you're so valuable and so important. We'll look later on in the next few weeks at some of the other texts where it's just Every, every gift, every person is so, so valuable to God, so, so important. It's, it's in the body of Christ. That's the cool thing. And I guess maybe if the, if the illustration does break down, that's where it breaks down is that there's no little toes. You know, I mean, you know, your little toe, you don't really, what, what good is it? But there's no little toes. Every, every person, every, every part is so important, so valuable. Why don't you guys stand? And, and Jess, you guys want to come back up and just give us a little, uh, you know, something sweet.
Huh? You can do that. I want to pray for you guys. And, um, you know, what I want to pray, I want to pray first for anybody that, no, here, here's what I'll do. I'm going to pray first for, for those that maybe are not, are afraid to engage because you've been hurt in the church. And I know there's some of you out there. Now, I know there's some of you who have overcome that and are engaged anyway, but I think there's some of you that have a lot to offer, a lot to give, and, and you have not been able to do that. You've withdrawn or holding back because you've been hurt and you don't want to be hurt again. So you've, you've kind of on one level stayed connected. You're here, and God bless you for that. You're to be commended for that. But on another level altogether, you're, you're really not flourishing in the way that God would have you flourish. And so I, I want to start just by, by praying for that. Thank you.